Life podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. We're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians 12 uh, for a majority of the time. We'll look at some other scriptures here as well. But uh, we have been uh, looking at uh, what uh, scripture teaches about spiritual gifts and these uh, first uh, couple weeks here uh, wanted to give you some things that uh, I felt are helpful, uh, just understanding some basics of uh, the spiritual gifts, what they are, and uh, how uh, God's Word uh, defines those uh, for us. But uh, last week, we, we looked at a few things um, as far as uh, what a spiritual gift is and uh, gave you a definition of that, that uh, spiritual gifts are channels by which God's grace comes to the church for the purpose of edifying the believer, maturing the church, and glorifying God. And I told you that we'd uh, spend some time diving into that as well over the next uh, few weeks. And we also looked at uh, when we receive spiritual gifts and what the gifts are, giving a very brief definition of uh, each one of those gifts. And, uh, you know, all the, all the messages are, are available online. Uh, so if you want to go back and listen to them, you can uh, find those on, the, uh, on our website or also you can find it on our uh, YouTube channel. And uh, you can uh, pick up any of those things that uh, you need to find there as well. So uh, we're going to pick up some more things about uh, some basics that I think can be helpful to you, uh, just understanding some basics of uh, some gifts. And uh, here's what I'd like for you to take away with you today. God's Word does have the answers to our questions. Uh, any of the questions that deal with spiritual gifts, God's Word does have the answers for that. And uh, so we'll, we'll work our way through some other questions here uh, before we start diving into some other passages. Uh, planning on next week, we'll probably be in Ephesians 4, and uh, we'll be looking at what uh, the gifts do as far as uh, bringing maturity to the body, and we'll work our way through that whole passage there uh, about uh, maturity and uh, the gifts and how they, how they bring maturity to the body. So let's look at some other questions here. Uh, some basics. Uh, are all the gifts still in use today? Now, a uh, question that seems to come up is uh, this one here, and it's primarily because some believe that certain gifts have ceased, and uh, the gifts in particular are what we are call the sign gifts, and they are uh, basically tongues, prophecy, um, miracles, and healing. And they are called the sign gifts because they were often used to authenticate uh, an apostle's teaching or their ministry. Uh, we see that throughout the book of Acts, that uh, the apostles, when they would be doing some teaching, uh, they would often do some type of sign to authenticate that. Now, we do find in Scripture that uh, Scripture teaches us that uh, the... Um, the Jews always required a sign to give evidence that this is from God. And so God used uh, these particular sign gifts uh, to authenticate the 
ministry of the apostles or uh, even those that uh, were doing some teaching or uh, to show that, hey, we did come from God. Uh, we see in, uh, in the Old Testament, Moses did miracles to authenticate his ministry. Um, and even Jesus himself did uh, miracles to authenticate his ministry as well. But let me give you two basic views that, uh, that are very prevalent, whether or not the sign gifts are still in use today. Uh, the first one here is called cessationism. And basically, cessationism believes that the sign gifts are no longer valid today. They have ceased. That's why we use the word cessationism. They have ceased. Now, there are three main arguments that they use to uh, say that the sign gifts are no longer valid today, that they no longer exist today. Here they are. Number one, sign gifts ceased when the apostolic age ended and the Bible was complete. And so now there is no need for these gifts. And uh, we should be over here in 1 Corinthians. Let's uh, look at uh, 1 Corinthians 13. These are the verses that they uh, like to use to, uh, as an argument for this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will what? Or pass away. He says, as for tongues, they will what? Cease. As for knowledge, it will what? Pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. And so they like to argue that uh, since now we have God's complete written word, uh, basically, there out of verse 10, they say, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And so they like to define uh, that argument and say, well, these things have ceased because now we have the complete written revelation of God and his word. And so therefore, we don't need sign gifts anymore to authenticate the message of what God says because we have all of God's word with us now. Secondly, another argument they like to use is that the sign gifts disappeared soon after the first century. Um, and basically, if you read through the book of Acts, you start seeing that uh, a lot of the sign gifts were being used. But as you continue to progress through the book of Acts, you don't see them being used as much. And uh, so an argument that they like to take from that is, well, see, these sign gifts were being used less and less and less. Thirdly, another argument that they believe about this is that the sign gifts are often counterfeited and abused today. Now, I will say that there is a lot of abuse in this form of uh, what we see on uh, televangelists and even some churches uh, use certain things, and they abuse the sign gifts uh, in this sense. Um, I would encourage you to listen to uh, the testimony of Costi Hen. Costi Hen is uh, Benny Hen's nephew. 
Costihan traveled with uh, uh, his uh, uncle for several, several years, was part of all the crusades and all that kind of stuff, and was privy to all the things that went on. Well, Costi Hinn uh, became a Christian. He uh, believed the gospel and trusted in Christ as his Savior and uh, became a follower of Jesus. And now Costi Hinn is dedicated to exposing the dangers of things like what his uncle propagates and does. And uh, so there is uh, a lot of uh, abuse that does happen uh, with things, but we also have to know that uh, just because things are counterfeited and abused doesn't necessarily mean that that's the case all the way across the board. Uh, We know that in the latter days, Jesus tells us that uh, there will be many false Christs. And uh, so there's going to be people that are going to be coming, proclaiming that they are Christ when they are not Christ. Uh, we also know that uh, from what Revelation teaches us that uh, the Antichrist will be able to perform many miracles and do signs and wonders. And people will just be blown away about what he will be able to do. And he will suffer a wound to the head. And he will be resurrected. There will be a false resurrection and will cause a lot of people to begin to believe in him and to follow him. And so we know that uh, there are things that can be done that uh, are abused and things that can be done and counterfeited. That's, uh, that's very possible. But uh, I think what's important is uh, to have discernment in all kinds of situations First uh, John 4, 1 tells us, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And if uh, there were many false prophets in John's day, how many false prophets are there today? And so it's very important that we test every spirit And not just accept, just because a person uses words like God, Jesus, gospel, Holy Spirit, whatever it may be, we have to test every spirit, whether it is from God or not. So it's important to do that. So that's the uh, arguments for cessationism. Here is the other view, and this is continuationalism. Uh, Basically, they believe that all spiritual gifts will continue in some form or other until Christ returns or when God brings the new heaven and the earth during the millennial reign of Christ. And so uh, they believe that when Christ returns, then those gifts will uh, then cease or when the new heaven and new earth comes down during the millennial reign of Christ, that we are reigning here on the earth with Jesus for a thousand years, uh, then we will no longer need those gifts anymore. So here are the arguments uh, for that. They argue the lack of a clear biblical text that says the sign gifts were temporary and not meant for the church throughout history. So if you were to ask uh, a person who believes in cessationism and say, uh, can you show me in the Bible where it says that these sign gifts were only temporary? 
there is not a clear, distinct text that says, yes, this is meaning that they were temporary. Uh, and the only, usually the verse that they point to is there out of 1 Corinthians 13.10, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. But there's not really any clear direction as to what that actually means. Uh, then they also argue that Scripture does support the continuation of the sign gifts. Let's take a look at a few of these here. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verses 19 through 20. It says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Uh, also in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, we are told, uh, Paul even says that you need to desire uh, certain gifts and even that you uh, may be able to uh, prophesy. Uh, Revelation 11, let's flip over there real quick. Uh, Revelation 11, and uh, take a look here with me at uh, verses 1 through 14. So John writes here in Revelation 11, verses 1 through 14, he says, Then I was given a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there, but do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations, and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. So if uh, this uh, particular sign gift has ceased, then what are these two witnesses doing prophesying? These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone would harm them, fire pours from the mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed. They have the power to shut the sky that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying, and they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague and as often as they desire. What would you describe that as? A miracle, right? Have the power to do those types of things. Uh, verse 7, and when they have finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city that symbolically is called Sodom and Egypt, where their Lord was crucified for three and a half days. Some from the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents because these two prophets had been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. But after the three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered them, and they stood up on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies watched them. And at that hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. Seven thousand people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. And so we have uh, these things about Scripture supporting the continuation of certain sign gifts. So, you know, it's one of these things here. Let me give you uh, a couple of other Scriptures here uh, on this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.7 says, 
so that you do not lack any spiritual gift as you wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I believe this implies that spiritual gifts will continue at least until Christ comes. Certainly, uh, I think this is a uh, pictured in the parable of the talents where the Lord returns and rewards or judges believers based on what they did uh, with his gifts. And I believe those include spiritual gifts. We see that in Matthew 25, verses uh, 14 through 30. Also, uh, Luke 19, 11 uh, through 27. And with that said, I believe 1 Corinthians 1, 7 does not directly say that gifts will end when Christ comes. In fact, in the parable of the talents, Christ took the talent away from the unfaithful servant and gave it to the faithful one to use in the master's service. And so I believe this implies that our gifts will still be used at least initially as we rule with Christ. Uh, in the millennial kingdom is what Jesus taught us in uh, Isaiah 11.9, Isaiah 29.18, Jeremiah 23.4, and also Revelation 20. Uh, another good scripture is uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Let's flip back over there, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, and uh, take a look at verses uh, 8 through 12. Uh, we read some of these here before. Uh, so he tells us, love never ends, but if there are prophecies, they will be set aside, they will cease, they will pass away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be set aside, pass away, cease. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when... What is perfect comes, the partial will be set aside. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child, but when I became an adult, I set aside childish ways. For now we see in a mirror indirectly, but when we, we see face to face, now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I have been fully known. Did you catch that verse 10? Directly declares when spiritual gifts and specifically signed gifts will cease. They will end when what? When what is perfect comes, the partial, such as knowledge, prophecy, tongues, will be set aside or come to an end. And so I believe that when God brings the new heaven and earth, we will see God face to face. Then we won't need them anymore. And so this is, uh, this is a view that uh, some people hold to uh, for continuationism uh, there as well. Uh, so I believe that we will uh, have those spiritual gifts uh, basically until Christ returns. And really, I mean, when you think about spiritual gifts, I, I think it's, it's almost like a foretaste of what is coming, is it not? I mean, it's, uh, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is our, basically like our inheritance. It's a down payment. It's a, it's a, it's a guaranteed uh, inheritance that we have coming. Um, and so it's something that we can look forward to. Now, I hope that uh, looking at this point is pushing you towards maturity and growth. And uh, as a believer... In Christ, you need to find out what the Bible does teach about this. Now, there might be some in here that believe that these particular gifts have ceased, and that's okay. Uh, there might be some in here that believe that the, the gifts continue, and that's okay as well. And there might be some sitting in here that you might be thinking, I really don't know exactly what to believe. Um, and I want to let you know that that's okay as well. Okay? But the important thing is that it's pushing you towards maturity and growth. Okay? And we don't allow these types of things to become uh, 
points of division in the body of Christ. Uh, because these are secondary issues, okay? These are not primary salvation type issues here, okay? And uh, so whether you believe that they have ceased, whether you believe that they uh, have continued, um, you know, you need to know, say, hey, this is what uh, I believe what Scripture teaches here, and uh, I'm going to follow with that. But you also need to have an attitude of grace and mercy towards another fellow believer who may not agree with you particularly uh, eye-to-eye on uh, certain types of things like that. And so we don't want to allow those things to become unhelpful and divisive. We need to remember that one of the purposes of the gifts is to bring unity to the body of Christ, not division, okay? And uh, so we need to seek to be gracious and loving to those fellow believers in Christ that we may disagree on on secondary issues such as this. So let's move on here. Second question. How do we find our spiritual gifts? So we're talking about some basics here. How do we find our spiritual gifts? Well, first of all, understand why God gives them. Understand why God gives them. Should be over here in 1 Corinthians still. 1 Corinthians 12, look at me in verse number 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? The common good. So God graciously gives us spiritual gifts for the common good. He has given every single one of us in here a gift or gifts. If you know Christ as your Savior, if you have repented of sin, and you've come into a relationship with Christ, you have been given a spiritual gift or gifts. And uh, God gives them for the common good. Look at 1 Corinthians uh, 14.4. He says here, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. And uh, so God gives these uh, spiritual gifts, and they are given to serve and edify the body of Christ. And so we commonly discover these gifts in the midst of serving, I believe. And so if you really want to know what your spiritual gift is, you don't need to be waiting around for someone to tell you what it is. I mean... God's not going to all of a sudden, you know, you're going to walk out of church and you're going to see, you know, flashing lights and it's going to say, hey, guess what? Here it is. Right? No. Uh, The way that we discover our spiritual gifts is if they're given for the common good, if they're given to edify the body, given to serve the body, then we actively need to be taking part in actually serving the body. We actually got to be participating. That's why I believe that when we come together as a church family, this is not just a few people up here doing a thing to entertain you. If you want entertainment, go somewhere else. I mean, go home, watch TV or something like that, right? We are here to serve and edify the body of Christ. And every single one of us in here is to be taking part in that. All of us are supposed to be participating in that. And so we need to find our spiritual gifts in the midst of serving. We must get involved in various ministries to discover these gifts. Typically, our spiritual gift will both edify ourselves and others. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 3 through 4 here says, On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Verse 4, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. 
And so because of this, the affirmation of others is important in the discernment process. And so we find our spiritual gifts in part by understanding why God gives them. They are given to edify and serve others. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, to each person the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the benefit of all. They are also given for our personal benefit as seen with the gift of tongues as we just read there in 1 Corinthians 14, 4. And likewise, when people use their gifts of teaching to study and present God's word, they are edified. Why do you think we have, uh, when we have uh, communion time up here, we've been having other men come up here and share? What is the purpose of that? It's to edify the church. Because guess what? Not just all of us elders have it all together, right? We're here to help edify each other and build each other up. Why, why do we sit there and try to encourage every single one of us in here to be praying? Like when we have our time, we're sharing prayer requests, and then we say, hey, who would like to pray for this? Why? It's to edify the church. Why do we have the children in here running around with the microphone? Because we just think, hey, boy, that'd be fun to do. No, because we want to edify the church. What are we teaching the children to do? To serve. This is all part of all of this. And so you need to be taking part in it and participating in all of that. You know, although our spiritual gifts typically edify both others and ourselves, an exception to that is the gift of tongues. It seems that this gift only edifies the person using it. The gift of tongues has to be interpreted in order to edify other people, which is why Paul, I believe, cautions against using it in a corporate gathering without an interpreter. Uh, we see that in 1 Corinthians uh, 14, verse number 23. says, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? Look at verse 27, 28. He says, if any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three. And each in turn and let someone interpret. Is that what we see going on today? Nope. A lot of craziness, right? People that are abusing it, abusing it in the wrong way. Verse 28, he says, But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to who? Himself and to God. So you keep it between yourself and God. The fact that tongues only edifies the person speaking them is probably why Paul placed it on last of his list of gifts, as we see in uh, verses uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 27 through 30 uh, is what he says here. Now that you are, uh, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God is appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. So understand why God gives them. It's for the purpose, for the common good. It's for the edifying of the church. Secondly, look for opportunities to take part in the various gifts. Remember, the gifts fall into two categories of either serving or speaking. That's the two categories that they fall under. And uh, while serving people... 
uh, you will find out what edifies others. And if we teach and everybody is falling asleep, guess what? Some of you just woke up right now, that's okay. But if you're teaching and you're falling asleep, uh, guess what? Maybe the gift of te- maybe that's not your spiritual gift, okay? Um, but you need to be taking part and participating. And by doing that, uh, you, you will find your spiritual gifts. So look for opportunities to take part in the various gifts, uh, various giftings. Here's the third thing. Be faithful in what God has given you, and God may expand your ministry. I believe we clearly see this in uh, Matthew 25, uh, 28 through uh, 29. And uh, if we are faithful with using our gifts, often God will expand uh, our ministry and give us more gifts because we are being faithful with what he's given us. And so maybe you are very exceptional in serving. Maybe God has gifted you in that way and you can anticipate and you know uh, how to take care of those things and you just serve and you, you know how to do it. But then you're looking around and you're going, man, you know, I really maybe wish I had the gift of mercy as well. Boy, if I had the gift of mercy, maybe I could, could, could start serving with mercy, right? Boy, that'd be cool. And uh, if you're faithful in what God has given you and you're using it to its full capacity, I do believe God will gift you with more as you're faithful to him. Uh, and we saw that uh, in Matthew 25 where the man who invested his five talents and made ten, God gave him one more talent because of his faithfulness. Another great example of this principle is uh, Philip the Evangelist in Acts 6 because of his character, Philip was initially enlisted to provide food for hungry widows. He was serving tables. That's what he was doing. But because he was faithful in doing that, God expands his ministry. And we see him later in Acts 8 uh, there as now he is uh, being an evangelist and speaking the word of God to people and bringing them to Christ. So be faithful in what God has given you. And I believe that would help you to find one of your spiritual gifts. Here's the third thing. How should we apply the reality of spiritual gifts? Some helpful reminders here, okay? Number one, desire spiritual gifts and pray for them. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 13, and also Luke eleven thirteen. We must desire spiritual gifts and pray for them. 2 Timothy 1.6 reminds us that God can give gifts later in our Christian life. We looked at some of those things. And so I believe, therefore, we should be encouraged to desire them and pray for them. 1 Corinthians 12.13, Paul says this, But you should be eager or earnestly desire for the greater gifts. In 1 Corinthians 14, 13, the one with the gift of tongues is called to pray for the interpretation. Not just to be able to speak it, but actually to pray to be able to interpret. Likewise, in Luke eleven thirteen, 13, Christ said, If you then, although you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask them? And it's an interesting thing about uh, that verse there. In the original language, there is, there is no no uh, the before uh, the word Holy Spirit there. And so many commentators believe 
that this refers to the ministries of the Holy Spirit instead of the person. And so Jesus is basically saying you need to pray and ask for these ministries of the Holy Spirit. And God is faithful to give and grant those things to you. Can I have any of the children that are in here just come up? Any of the children? Let me just, just come on up here real quick, okay? Come on up here. I know some of them are downstairs. That's okay. How are we ministering to these children? How are we helping them grow in Christ? They won't be children forever. Some of your parents are going, great, so happy for that. But how, how are we helping them grow and mature? Because, you know, one of these days, you know, some of us are going to pass away. We'll no longer be here. Faces change. People change, right? And these children will grow up, and they are going to be the ones that are going to be serving and helping and edifying the church. Are we giving them a good example of that here and now? Are we teaching them how to serve and edify others in the church? And so if we're not doing it, why would we expect them to do it? And so God gives us these spiritual gifts for a purpose, and God is going to use the church in a, in a tremendous way in our lives. He uses the body of Christ. I mean, remember our, our verse up here, right? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them. God has placed even these children in the church, in the body. If they know Christ, they are part of the body of Christ. God has placed them in the body for a purpose. How are we ministering to them? How are we serving them? How are we edifying them? Because one of these days, they're going to grow up. And we want them to be able to serve and edify as well. So we all got to be taking part in all of this. And so we got to be part of it. Thanks, guys. You can have a seat. Thank you. Do you desire, can I ask you this question, do you desire to bless the next generation in this fellowship? Then I believe we ought to be praying for the gift of teaching to better equip them. Do you desire, do you feel like our our fellowship lacks organization? Do you feel like, man, you know, those elders, they just really aren't on the ball on things and they kind of drop the ball on this and they don't really follow up on that? Do you desire that there be more organization? Well, then maybe you ought to be praying for the gift of administration so that you could be a help to the body of Christ. Does your heart break for marginalized people in our community, like orphans, single mothers, or widows? Maybe you should be praying for the gift of mercy so that you could be equipped to be able to help them. Does your heart burn for the lost? Pray for the gift of evangelism to better reach them. Maybe you're like, man, you know, I really wish I could 
know how to talk to uh, my neighbor about Christ and, and be a witness to him, hey, well, guess what? April 29th, our uh, fellow elder here, Alan, he's going to be teaching us uh, some things about discipleship, how to go and make disciples. He wants to equip you to do that. Maybe your heart's burning to be able to be a help to others. Hey, there's an opportunity for you to learn, right? God delights to give his children good gifts. James 4, 2 says that we don't have because we what? We don't ask. So God may say no to certain times and things, but because he has perfect plans for his body and our role in it, desiring to serve and be equipped is a good thing. And I think if we desire certain things and we are praying and asking, I believe God does answer those prayers and equips us to be able to edify the body of Christ. Secondly, desire for others to have spiritual gifts and pray for them. We see this in 1 Timothy 1.14 and also 2 Timothy 1.6. Uh, remember we saw Timothy receiving one of his spiritual gifts through the ministry of Paul, the laying on of the, 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 the hands there of the elders. 2 Timothy 1.6, uh, Paul writes, he said, Because of this, I remind you to rekindle God's gift that you possess through the laying on of my hands. And I believe as Paul prayed for God to use Timothy and give him a specific spiritual gift, God answered positively in that, in that regard. And so you think about it, right? Like, are we praying for others here in the church to have spiritual gifts? Do we ever think about that, or is it just usually all about us, right? Usually we're all more focused on self than we are others. And so we ought to be praying for others to have and be equipped with spiritual gifts as well. Uh, be praying that God could use them in a, in a certain way, a certain aspect of that. And so we should pray for those in our small groups, churches, for God to be gracious to them and empower them for great works. And we should pray for spiritual gifts, for, for others. Here's the third thing. Develop the spiritual gifts God has given you. Again, 2 Timothy 1.6, he says to rekindle God's gift that you possess through the laying on of my hands. One of the things that I enjoy doing is I enjoy smoking meat. Um, probably a, uh, two, three years ago, my, uh, my wife and my uh, in-laws, they went in and they bought me a smoker for my birthday. And I was real excited to use it, you know, and you got to put the wood in there and you got to start it and you gotta smoke it at a certain temperature and all that kind of stuff. And I found out you got to use that smoker only at certain times. Now, some guys, they have the, uh, the, the smokers that are the electric ones, you know, and you never have to worry about it, but Man, we're old school, right? Like we, we use the wood and we burn it and we got to keep the fire going and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's one of those things, if you allow that fire to die down, uh, it, the, the temperature starts to drop, and you don't get that meat up to the temperature that it needs to be. And so when you think about this, developing the spiritual gifts that God has given you, you need to rekindle it, continue to develop it, looking for opportunities to grow and mature in, in those things. And uh, so we must continually make our spiritual gifts stronger. We do this by continually using them. And as we faithfully use them, they will naturally get stronger. And also we, we strengthen them by being trained and coached by mature believers. 
And so if you're looking to be strengthened in a certain area, I mean, boy, man, we have so many resources available to us today. I mean, look at, listen to a podcast, read a book, do something, right? If you, if you want to grow and mature, look for opportunities for those types of things and mature in, in that. And so we must rekindle uh, those types of things. Here's the fourth thing. Desire, despising our gifts is unthankful and dishonors God, who is the creator and the distributor of gifts. Uh, see, we should be still over here in 1 Corinthians. Flip over here, 1 Corinthians again, 4, 7. Let's look at that verse again. It says here, For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? There are those that um, become very prideful about spiritual gifts, or there are those that um, dishonor God by despising spiritual gifts, like almost in a sense denying the fact that they have received anything from God, like kind of having this pity party, like, oh, God doesn't care about me. He only gave me the gift to do this. It's a gift. God gave it to you, and you're supposed to use it to edify the body. And if you're not using it, you'll lose it. And so don't despise the gift that God has given you. Why? Because God has placed the parts in the body. Every one of them. It's there for a reason, for a purpose. And so don't despise it. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 15 here. Look what he says. If the foot should say, because I am not of the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. And so don't despise your gifts that you have been given. Here's the last thing. Depend on others in the body. Depend on others in the body. God gives us specific gifts, but also we are to be depending upon others in the body for our spiritual gifts. In other words, you know, I mean, our hands are great for certain things, right? But we need other parts of the body in order to make our hand work. And so even though you may have be given a spiritual gift, God has also given other people in the body to help you use that spiritual gift. And so don't think that it's all about you, right? Depend upon others in the body to help you use your spiritual gifts. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.